Mac Jones is ripped. Matt Patricia is calling plays. The Celtics are title favorites. And The Ringer has a new Boston show. I'm Brian Barrett, host of Off the Pike, the show covering all things Boston sports. I'll have shows multiple times a week covering your favorite teams and with your favorite Ringer and local guests. Plus, maybe Bill will stop by to rant about the Sox. Follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. What episode is this? Is this episode what? 245, I believe? 245 today. Oh, yeah. let's get it. 245. Welcome into episode 245 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. I am Jason Goff. And the voice that you just heard is that of one Chris Sutton. Tony Gill is not with us tonight, but Tony is always in our thoughts. Shout out to my main man, Tony Gill. And of course, shout out, we figure that it's Steve Cerruti. Uh, episode 245 here on a blessed Sunday night, as my mother would say. And I, I want to start with this because there's a lot of buzz around the Chicago Bulls and them uh, interviewing top three, top five potential draft picks. Before we get into any of that, before everybody out here starts to try to trade for this guy and that guy, try to get Scoot Henderson, try to get Darius Miller. I've been seeing Jordan Poole rumors. We're going to get into everything because it seems like there is a certain faction of Chicago Bulls uh, intelligentsia that wants to blow this thing up and wants to go in a different direction. That's what some of the rumored reports are. But before we do any of that, here on this episode 245 of The Full Go. I would like to put my hat in the ring as saying I have never believed in day one of the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown experiment slash experience. I have thought that this thing has been fugazi for the last few years. You have, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I don't like t- talking about dudes quitting. I don't like talking about dudes pain tolerance when they're hurting and be like, oh, that guy's not really hurt. Game three, Heat Celtics was the end of an era in Celtics basketball and should be going forward. And I'm not this shock jock, you know, sports radio caricature that just screaming dude should get fired. But Joe Mazzula, a day late, a dollar short, seemingly with every adjustment and every situation against Eric Spolstra and this Miami Heat squad. Uh, he doesn't call timeouts when it's clearly, clearly an abundant need of a run being stopped or getting you guys together. And it also seems and this is this is why I, I continually bring it up about how good your best players have to truly be to win an NBA championship or to be considered contenders on a real level like the the Boston Celtics if you look at the Boston Celtics maybe Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley do know better than everybody out there because they're like hey we're gonna keep this thing together because Milwaukee gonna fight it coach Philadelphia gonna fight it coach
coach and then probably not bring back the point guard. Like the, the Boston Celtics is going to implode right there in front of you in, in terms of toughness. I haven't seen a squad, and I'm being honest with y'all, I haven't seen a team go into a situation where, let's face it, game three was an elimination game for the Boston Celtics. Going into Miami, playing against that team with the, the you know, all the Miami, you know, the, the whiteout in the crowd. You got it's a TNT game, so you know the big guns are going to be broadcasting it. Shaq, Kenny, EJ, Charles, all there in Miami. Everybody is there. Everybody's there to have a good time and watch the Celtics compete for a couple of games. To come out the way that the Boston Celtics came out, this game was over early. And I have said it on this platform. I have said it on many other platforms that I have been on. I will always go with the team that takes their cool off in a series or in a big game. And the first, because listen, talent, toughness, and smarts is what you ask for. Whenever you're talking about putting a team together, can you are you more talented than the other team? Or are you tougher than the other team? Do you not do this dumb shit that other teams do that lose them games? And when I look at the Boston Celtics, they can't th- raise their hand consistently enough in any area outside of talent, to be honest with you. Last year, we saw they needed a difference in maker at point guard. But whatever was happening with the pace last year, last couple of years, whether it be against the Phoenix Suns, whether it be against the Milwaukee Bucks, we've seen this team have issues at point guard. But this ain't all Marcus Smart, okay? This ain't on Peyton Pritchard when he get in the game. Hell, this ain't on Joe Missoula. This has been on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown from the moment that these two dudes got put together. I'm sorry. When you have those two type of players, bucket getters, Right? And two guys who should be demonstrably better defenders than they are. Jason Tatum can dial it up at times. And for all the talk about Jalen Brown being this fantastic defender, there are moments where Jalen Brown is lost on defense and he has the the IQ, he has the mental acuity, he has the tangibles, he's got the, the, the quick twitch. Like he's got all the things to be a primetime defender. It just doesn't happen often enough. And this might be a guy that Bulls fans might want to target this offseason because let's face it, the Chicago Bulls have been in every rumor since the draft lottery presentation ended. So if, if the Bulls are out there kicking the tires and trying to figure out who wants DeMar DeRozan, who needs to change the scenery, I know Bulls fans are going, I, Jalen Brown. And of course, Jalen Brown, you know, apparently he's discovered racism in Boston this year <laughs> when, he's, when he came out and said some of the things that he had heard from some of the Bostonians hasn't been uh, as uh, encouraging as he would like. And whenever that happens, you know, every other NBA city is like, all right, cool. You finally woke up. <laughs> and shout out to Boston, right? I've never been there. Got some guys guys who I am fond of that live there. Shout out to Dollar Bill Simmons and, of course, my man Jim Murray over here at the Sports Hub. But if Jalen Brown is going to play like this with Jason Tatum, then y'all might as well split this thing up. I have always seen... Uh, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook kind of vibe between those two cats where one dude is the quiet uh, scorer who's going to go about his business in a way where at times you're going to have to call him a star. And don't get me wrong. I am not saying that Jason Tatum is on the level of Kevin Durant. But when we talk about that dynamic, right? Russell Westbrook, the reason why Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant lasted so long before the, the, the eventual split and departure is because Russell Westbrook took all the arrows. He took all the stones that Kevin Durant wasn't going to take from the media. He, Russell Westbrook served as kind of a shield, kind of like armor in that locker room, in that organization, because Russell don't give a damn, which I think, let's face it, everybody gives a damn. We just give a damn in different ways. And I think we're going to find out when Russell's career is over how him moving like this was for his own self-preservation all these years. But Scott Brooks didn't really have the conversation that he needed to have between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook about who's the one and who's the 1A or whatever the hell y'all want to do. These, you know, archaic, uh, you know, old school sports tropes of alpha males and all that. And guess what happened? You had two players who should have gone on to dominate the Western Conference for years to come bump their head at every single next incremental point, like the demarcation line of okay, are y'all for real or are y'all not? And they had to go their separate ways. I see the same thing with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Man, I'm watching this game and thinking to myself, one dude is six foot seven, one dude is six foot ten. You got shooting guards and small forwards out here screening for each other all the time and mismatch, you know, dominating and picking out mismatches. For whatever reason, Jalen Brown 
knows he can get a bucket whenever he wants and relies on hard shots. And Jason Tatum takes that to the nth degree. So when things aren't falling, they haven't been able to hit a three this entire series, those two guys, with any consistency. But you think that they tough it out and take their ass to the rim. But guess what? A bunch of undrafted dudes and a bunch of gnarly old veterans, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo now can be considered as one, are beating that ass. And beating that ass mightily. Grant Williams talked crazy. Jimmy Butler finished the game 24-9 run in game two. Game three starts. Jimmy Butler, you look at these box score. Like, they beat the shit out of the Boston Celtics without Jimmy Butler really having to get into his bag. Jimmy Butler, who's played 31 minutes in game three, scored 16 points, went 5-13 from the field. That's a night off for Jimmy Butler. That's a night off. Bulls fans, we know it. That's a night off for him. Who else beat you, though? That's what you really got to ask yourself. Gabe Vincent. Shout out to Nigeria's finest, Gabe Vincent. 11 for 14 from the, from the field. 6 for 9 from 3. 29 big points. You had Caleb Martin going out there going crazy. I just refer to him as one of the Nevada twins, and he is separating himself because he's playing on a winning team, and his brother, I believe, is Charlotte, if I'm not mistaken. And then you get Duncan Robinson. Like, this is the thing. We talk about who's important and why they're important on your team, and that's why Bulls fans take a look at guys like Kobe White and some of these other dudes who are coming along like, ah, if you can just hold on and develop that talent – You're going to have to take a ride with some of these young players. The Miami Heat gave Duncan Robinson, what, $80 million, something like that, and sat his ass on the bench that year. Sat him on the bench. He wasn't performing the way he was supposed to be performing. Tyler Hero came of age. Max Struess, a dude who Chicago Bulls fans and DePaul fans know, started hitting shots and replaced him. Guess what? Duncan Robinson had to be ready. Duncan Robinson, over the last five games of his postseason run, has been one of the more integral pieces of a Miami Heat, now seemingly championship-type run. The NBA, and, and, and this is why years are hard to waste, and that's why when people talk about tanking and all these other things, man, the NBA now, especially the NBA playoffs, are more about matchups than, than they have ever been. I don't give a shit about seeding anymore, to be honest with you. If you make it in and you make it through this play-in situation now that has been thrown in there to, to deter teams from, from tanking and, and to keep you know other markets that we really wouldn't be interested in, interested in all the way through the final day of the regular season, it's cool and all, but now it's boxing. It's no longer me saying, all right, you got to get through a two seed. You got to get through a three seed. Listen, if you are a two seed, (laughs) if you are a one or a two seed and you running around having the most talent during a regular season and and, and scoring all the points and the the, the Celtics were, I believe, number one in net rating coming into the postseason. Like they were, they were doing all the things that you thought a championship level team needed to do down the stretch of a regular season. But Joe Missoula seems to be overmatched. Jason Tatum, I don't want to hear it, man. I've been hearing about Jason Tatum since his second year when I believe it was the conference semis against Cleveland and LeBron. And all of a sudden, the, the, the next anti-LeBron was coming up. Uh, this is the guy now. You know, it was Derrick Rose before that and guys before him. This was the next dude. And all I've seen is him have phenomenal moments, but also have equally as many head-scratching moments. So in the end, in this post-Jordan evaluation era, where it's all about championships and postseason performance to make the real story of a player's career come out, it's time for us to start looking at this, you know, like, all right now, (laughs) Like this is this is going on what year I want to say this is year seven for Jason Tatum, if I'm not mistaken. One of the best players in the NBA. He's going gets all NBA votes the last few years, and rightfully so. Yeah, man. You're third pick in the draft. 2017. You are now supposed to be stepping into that era where it's like, hey, no questions asked. He dragged that team through that game or through that series. And he'll do it. He'll get the 51 like he got a couple of games ago. To, to, to close out a series. But then, when the game is a little hard, and this is the problem that I've had with the Bulls over the last two years, sometimes you can't decide how hard you want to play to get a win out. And in game three, first game on the road in this series, for the Celtics to come out the way they did, man, that, that was a trifling performance, to say the least. 
And I'm not putting it on Malcolm Brogdon. I'm not putting it on Grant Williams. I'm not putting it on Robert Williams. Nah, man. Buck stops at the at the the the, the highest paid, most valuable players on your team. Al Horford was bad. Robert Williams, you know, you're only going to ask so much from him. I'm not looking for the bench. First game on the road, I'm looking for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to get busy. This is why we're here. This is the stage. This is why you clear out all the bums. This is why you don't have to watch this this Tuesday night game and then all of a sudden have to go to Orlando for a Wednesday night game. No, 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 no. Everything is set up for you to either thrive or show your weaknesses, just like the Denver LA series. D'Angelo Russell, one of the more feared pick and roll dudes in the game, as many times as he gets put into it in the last three or four years of his career. I bet you he is top six, seven in terms of actual pick and roll engagements in the regular season. What's happening in these, in these postseason playoffs? Man can't stay on the floor. A terrifically talented player. So that's why when we start talking about things from a Bulls perspective on this pod and and when I'm in the street hanging out and talking with my people, you can put the most talented dudes in the world in your head together or through a trade machine or you can look at the offseason wish lists and team needs and all this other stuff. Hey, all that sounds good until you get into a playoff series where you find out the talent ain't going to be enough. And how many guys are just out here relying on talent and relying on tough shot making? And Bulls fans, we know exactly what that feels like. Relying on tough shot making night in, night out. Now fast forward that to teams who just lose it in the biggest moments. Because defensively, that Miami Heat team should be easy to bottle up. But they played tougher. They took their cool off. I'm appreciative of teams that take their cool off in the month. I know everybody's paid. Everybody's got accolades. Everybody's all NBA. Everybody's all stars. Like some of the things that, that, that we clamored for as Bulls fans over the last couple of years. All right, now let's take it to the next level when you should be disappointed because of performances like this. Never mind just playing, you know, competitions that, you, that you're engaged in. The Miami Heat were a playing team. Muscled up, look at their best player and said, hey, you're going to have to take us a lot of the way here. And he, he, he saluted the rest of the squad and he said, hey, Caleb Martin, you're about to be a star out here. Duncan Robinson, you're about to get your swagger back. Gabe Vincent, a dude who Bulls fans have known for the last two years, has hit many a big shot. Like these guys aren't household names, but. I'd rather have the tough dudes who are going to stare you down and not run away from the challenge, not make the stupid-ass turnover late in the game and remember their defensive rotation as opposed to a dude that could get you 40, could get you 45, or could be bitching at the refs for an entire game the way that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't take either one of those dudes on the Bulls. Not saying that at all. Well, all I'm pointing out is how hard it is to get not only the right group, Right? Because the talent is a must. But to get the toughest group and to get the smartest group, we act like this is just video games when it comes to NBA basketball and every other sport. You delve into teammate and camaraderie and, and chemistry and toughness all on a different level. And in basketball, you just give the ball to the best player and move the fuck out the way. That's not how it is. Because if that's the case, or if that was the case, the Celtics will be up 2-1 to one right now instead of down 0-3. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Len Casper, the radio voice of the White Sox. You're listening to the full goal with Jason Goff. So I'm having some issues here. You know, I look at my sports relationships and I think to myself, who am I truly emotionally available for right now? Yeah, yeah, I know you guys, you, you, you tough you know, all you tough guys out there driving around or, you know, you're, you're somewhere right now on a treadmill and you're like you're just golf talking about emotional availability for, for a sports franchise. What is he talking about? Is he about to get me in my feelings? <laughs> you're damn right I am. Because if y'all have noticed, me and the White Sox just haven't been on speaking terms the last two weeks. And 
this is when they de- they've decided to to go out and get their act together. Where they go six and three on the homestand, beating up on some bums. Don't get me wrong, if they're beating up on some bums, but hey, when you got the third worst record in baseball, you take any win that you can get. And it's happening because newsflash, teams better when they're hitting the ball out of the park. You know, shout out to Luis Robert. Shout out to Jake Berger, too. Jake Berger has been on an absolute tear. Like, whether they're at third base or DH, you've had to get his bat in the lineup. But 6-3 and three on the homestand, Luis and Jake are doing their thing. But the pitching, like the pitching, and let's face it, when you started out as poorly as the White Sox have started out, everybody has let you down. Absolutely everybody across the board has let you down. This isn't just a a positional player thing. This isn't just a pitching thing. This isn't just a bullpen thing. This isn't just a managerial thing. Everybody on this team has come out lacklusterly. And also, and also, I'd say this, not just with a lackluster attitude, because it happened again on Sunday against the Royals, where Yoan Moncada hits a ball, scores a run to make it five to two, but... He should have been on second base. Like, even the little things, even in wins, they still need to, you know, clean up a little bit, especially against a Royals team who took them to town last year and also one that has already embarrassed them once this this early on in the season. And Pedro Grifo, that being his former team, you know, that shouldn't be tolerated, especially how he presented it as we were going to come out and not be the team that the Royals saw last year, but be the team that the Royals should fear this year. But the pitching has done exactly what it's supposed to do. Coming into Sunday's game, the last five games to start is what? One eight with a one eight nine ERA, thirty-three in the third innings pitch, only giving up six walks, twenty-nine strikeouts. And Lance Lynn, I mean, his last couple of starts, he hasn't walked people. He hadn't been as wild in the zone on hitters counts. Like he, you know, it was a lot of self-inflicted uh, harm that had been done, especially by this pitching staff and walking people. I mean, Dylan Cease, you asked, I was asking myself, is that slider not what it was last year? And it hasn't been to start this season, but last year it was magical. It was one of the best pitches in all of baseball. But he's, you know, been, he's been hittable, a little bit easier to hit to start this thing. Michael Kopech, you know, high pitch counts, walking people, all those things. But this last, this last rotation through, especially with this last Michael Kopech start, you only give up one hit in, in, in eight innings. I mean, th- these are the things and these are the reasons why I'm so, I was so pissed to start this season. I mean, I don't know. If, and let's face it. When you start off as poorly as the White Sox have started off, it is going to be, it's going to take a miracle for them to make the playoffs. They're, they're currently, what, 10 and a half, 11 games under 500. You know, and, and you're eight and, eight and a half, eight back uh, of the division lead. So, there's still a lot of baseball to play, but the start that they got off to, I don't know if I'm available this last couple of weeks, and I know the weather's getting better, and the hitters are supposed to start hitting a little bit more. Gavin Sheets has been you know, rock solid the last couple of weeks or so. They're doing this without Eloy Jimenez. I mean, Tim Anderson is still trying to get back into shape, but... I don't know if I'm available this summer, and, and I'm going to definitely be keeping an eye on them. Definitely was still watching White Sox games, listening to my man Jason Benetti do his thing. Of course, Gordon Beckham and all the good people over there at NBC Sports Chicago, that pregame show with Chuck and Ozzy and Frank and Scotty Pods. But I don't know if I'm emotionally available. I don't know if I'm, I'm allowed to be drugged back in this summer by a team that got out of the gates as poorly as they did and now seemingly are starting to play the baseball that we expected them not only to play to start last year, but especially, especially to start this year. Liam Hendricks going to get his rehab assignments in. Maybe, just maybe that'll show up the bullpen a little bit more. Joe Kelly has been outstanding. Kendall Graveman has done his job as well. It sucks because of the way they started this season. You, you know, you want to ride with something all summer long. But the way they started this season has left me very, very cautious and very, very emotionally unavailable. The White Sox are going to have to take me out without expecting anything. Okay? They're going to have to start opening doors again. Okay? They're going to have to let me go through their phone a little bit. You know what I mean? Without the passcode, right? Like, they're going to have to, you know... They have to earn that trust back. They have to be, they have to just watch me be upset and and, and be happy about it because the moment they mention something, then it's going to be on and popping. Wait a minute. Am I talking about the White Sox anymore? Hold on. <laughs> What's going on here? 
<laughs> but yeah, man, shout out to the White Sox. I, I I have watched them play better baseball as of late. I know a couple of my White Sox fan friends are like, hey, man, you ain't mentioning the White Sox. Well, you know, they, they did it to themselves. You know, they did it to themselves. That's what we always tell ourselves during the summer when it's time to get away. You know, hey, gave them as much leeway as I possibly could. Did it to themselves. And, and now we out here. <laughs> the out here part, though, is, you know, now I got to do other things with my summer days instead of just being glued to White Sox baseball. So now I get to chase weird old Bulls rumors and, <laughs> and, and talks of, of players that will never wear Chicago Bulls jerseys wearing them. So thanks, White Sox fans. I appreciate your, your reminder, you know, your wellness check. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm right there on the socials. Anytime I say something about the White Sox, my White Sox fan friends jump in there and say, oh, okay, you're still with us. I'm still here. I'm watching it games i just know the start that this team got up to, got out to was substandard and it's hard for me to to watch a baseball team that has told you we know what the hell we're doing and consistently over the last i don't know two or three years they've been inconsistent enough to prove to you that the, do they do they so yeah i'm here i'm here i'm just not answering on the first call and it's gonna take a while for me to respond to your text chicago white Sox. Commercial. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to the Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by the Ringer, a Spotify original. What do you think the issue is with the with the Celtic series? Like, it, is is it the coaching? I think they got a bunch of guys who don't know uh, what their roles are. And but they were there last year, right? It's the same team from last year, right? That's what I'm saying. Like they won, not knowing what their roles were last year. There's too mm. many times where Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum don't look like they're playing together. Yeah, I and see that. and it's you know it's, it's it's my turn, your turn, shit. And it looks cool when they're making tough shots, but when they're not making tough shots and they got to actually like play off of each other, right, and use each other in terms of spacing and. You know, attention. Uh, I think Joe Mazzula kind of gets caught up in the game in a way where assistant coaches do, where he's probably focused on one thing and then rotations get missed or, you know, there's there's three or four things that happen by the time you should have called a timeout. Like, he's, he's um for whatever reason, it's just processing isn't happening in real playoff time. And he hasn't made any adjustments to, you know, shit that hasn't worked. Like, he finally trapped Jim, Jimmy Butler. By the time he trapped Jimmy Butler, they they were too busy arguing with the fucking refs and, and getting beat by other dudes, you know? Like, if it's, if it's not one thing, it's not. It's, it just feels like um, just feels like a bunch of dudes wearing the same jersey. Bunch of strangers, though. Yeah, it's weird, but it's like, it's really shining a light, I feel like, on the coaching aspect. Because, I mean, I feel the only reason why the Heat are here is because of Spolstra's organization, you know? I mean, yeah. they were like, they were like this regular mid team all yeah. year, you yeah. know? And then when it's time to step on the gas, like Flip they're making the switch, all the right man. moves. Butler is like, you know, Optimus Prime, you know, and everybody else is just kind of like really falling in place. It's, 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 it's really remarkable to see. And I, I think I, I also fear for the league too, because I think this was the least, this was the matchup they wanted the least. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Out of all the teams like Denver and Miami. Denver and Miami is going you know, those two markets, you know what I mean? It's like, it's going to be, it's going to be all the uh, diehards watching this one. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like the people that really care then like, you know, all of the, you know, the Laker people, the East coast people, like they're just kind of left out of it, which is beautiful in one way, but also like, Oh man, like, you know, cause De Denver's unstoppable. Oh, well that, that's the thing. That's the thing too. In watching the Lakers Denver series, you know, there's been a few times where I'm like, LeBron just ain't on the better team. Right. And there's been times where he's lost. And I've been like, yeah, he had the better team. He should have won. This thing, you know, asking what they're asking of a couple of guys who just can't be factors in this this series. Like guys like Jared Vanderbilt and I mean Austin Reeves giving him everything. And, and and when Jamal Murray gets it going and you you know, you, you all you can answer with is Dennis Schroeder or Lonnie Walker or Jared Vanderbilt. Like by that time, he is you know on fire, and you're like, all right, what do you do if you're the Lakers? Like they don't play good enough. Um, talk about being disconnected. The transition defense wise, they are horrific, and that's where the Warriors, you know, the, the couple of games that they won because they're getting them in transition threes, and. 
the moment you got a team that is unself, like the reason why the Celtics are getting beat is because when they're not in transition or if it's not that secondary, you know, that off that secondary break, when it slows down, they're not moving and passing and, and finding people and, and trusting that it's going to get back to them. Denver knows it's going to get back to you if you cut. Like playing with Jokic, if you move, you're going to get the basketball. And if you if you can shoot the ball, you're going to have enough space that you're going to become a better shooter. Yeah. The Celtics, yeah. when they, when it's not going, when nothing's going, it gets that much harder on them because the, the trust isn't there that, you know, the roles to me aren't defined as well as they should be, where Jalen Brown can say at a post-game press conference, I need to get the ball more after a loss, you know? You, you, you're, looking at, you're looking at Denver, Nikola Jokic, the first two and a half quarters didn't have to do much because the second best player on the team made everything work. The Lakers arguably have a better bench than them, too, because Bruce Brown has played well, but you know, they're not playing Reggie Jackson. Right, they're not playing. You know, there's a Chase Brown guy. Like they're not playing dudes off the bench. They're they're beating you with six dudes. So yeah, we we finally gotten to that point where LeBron James is not only not one of the the best five or six players in the game. He's not good enough to be a team. Period in a series, and you know, say what you want about Anthony Davis, but if he's not taking advantage of of them defensively then they're done. Yeah, he kind of like, shrinks back a little bit. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, it, it's there for you. You know, if you if you want to go ahead and get it, it's there for you. Like, we all talk about, like, I was talking about the taking the cool thing off. Like, these guys can shoot, right? Jason Tatum can shoot. Anthony Davis can shoot, right? Jalen Brown can shoot. It's, are you doing them a favor by taking them this, uh, by taking this shot? And there was too many shots in game three of, of heat uh, Celtics where I was like, Oh dude, you bailing them out. You're six foot 10. Like you're going to take a bump. You're going to get your ass beat, but get in there. Get, get to get the line. The hole, yeah. Yeah. Like drive. Nobody can stay in front of you. And that's what I look at with, with, with Anthony Davis. Like, there were times where LeBron was throwing it at the rim and, and Anthony was getting it up and coming down with it. It's like, hey, man, then no one can block. There is no rim protector for the Denver Nuggets. That's, that's their fatal flaw. If you can get anything you want at the rim, continue to get it. And it's, it's the harder path to travel. It's as simple as that. Like, Jimmy Butler is used to traveling the harder path, right? So it's like... When it is easy, it looks that much more appealing and aesthetic-wise. Like, when it got easy at the end of the Knicks series, it was like, okay, you can wrap this up. Jimmy is just not going to let them lose. But when it's when, when no one can stop you from getting to a spot and you continuously decline, like the amount of threes that LeBron took in that game, you know, they should have been, been down by a lot. They were only down three and a half after everything that Jamal Murray did. Exactly, yeah. Right? So, like, when I sit back as a Bulls fan, and all I try to do is kind of gauge where my favorite team is at in the course of a postseason. And when they're not in it, even more so. Like, how would my team fare? Or what's the shit that I talk about with my fans, my friends that are fans, that you just, like, Having the Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan conversation and all-stars and all that other stuff, and then you see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are widely regarded as two of the best players in the NBA, just happening to be on the same team, and then you see how they go out. You realize how hard it is to win and how it's going to take more than just talent. Like, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are talented as hell. You know, there's nobody knocking at talent. But guess what? Who is willing to travel the path of least resistance? Because every once in a while, you got to. Like, these teams, we see them, and if we don't see them every single night, we're not as um, critical. But when we see them in these playoff series, it's just, it's, it's your catch-up. Like, you're getting caught up on every characteristic and mannerism of a team throughout the regular season, and you're seeing it play out in possessions, or you're seeing it play out in quarters. So, when, when Austin Reeves is throwing his body at the rim, or when he is knocking down shot after shot after shot, you're like, okay, they've counted on this all season long, and for anybody that this is a revelation for like they need like the importance of Austin Reeves sometimes is startling right you talk about their third best player was it Michael Porter Jr. and yours is Austin Reeves like 
no disrespect, but there's a separation there. So the the level that you have to play at is is that much greater. Like if you're the lesser team and you're and you're not playing as hard as you possibly can, like there are a few moments where you know LeBron did the whole weird body language thing, and I'm like, bro, it's not the time. Everybody's watching you. You know you can't you can't be bitching about a call right now. You gotta get back. You can do that shit later. And that's what that's what happened with the Celtics and the Heat in Game Three. Like you're sitting there talking to the refs, you're down twenty. There's nothing in that call that's going to make a five, seven, eight point run happen. You got to get the fuck up. Like I'm tired of doing that. And this flopping thing, you know, I've never been this the, the old head. It's like oh, all they do is flop now. But I remember when flopping like was avant garde in the NBA when Vladi Divac was the first person I saw to perfect it and actually manipulate calls for it. And not just the first, but the one that made it truly famous to me. And he had that, you know, he had the stigma of okay. You know, he's, he's a European big, so, you know, they're soft and all that other bullshit. But Vladi was, a, you know, he wasn't soft. I mean, Scotty, Scotty Pippen, when he didn't have the lateral quickness anymore and when the back injury really set in, you go back and look at some of those Portland games and some of those Portland teams and those great matchups against the Lakers or those great matchups against the Kings. Scotty was a flopper, right? So I've seen it throughout my NBA fandom, but man, I'll be goddamned if I'm sitting here watching these dudes flopping all over the place and then not getting rewarded for it and expecting something. I'm like, yeah, I, I cheer for when they don't reward it because that's the only way you're going to litigate it out of the game. It's the only way you're going to get it out of the game if you don't reward it. Like, I, I, I was so happy to see, and, and, you know, the Miami Heat got a couple of on their team, right? But they're running through dudes who are falling down, who are begging for calls down 20 on, on the road in a, in, a, in a hostile environment. What are you doing? You're telling the other team right now that you ain't, you ain't up for this. Like, there's certain shit that's going to get too gritty for you, and you're not down with it. So as I see that as a Bulls fan, I'm like, all right, how far is my favorite team away from contending on that level? And to, to, to see the things that, that the Bulls succumb to all year long and Billy Donovan characterizing it in different ways as, you know, toughness and lack thereof or high IQ basketball plays. Like, if you're not going to be tough, you got to be the smartest, most skilled team on the court. And I don't think Denver is not tough, but they got waves. <laughs> they got waves of scoring. You, they, they, they're not going to go on long droughts. And when they do, it's just because they, it's self-inflicted wounds. It's them not pushing the pace. Like the moments that the Lakers stayed in, those, in that game in game three is because Denver was just simply not playing the kind of basketball they needed to play. And defensively, they had turned into mush. But man, these playoffs have been amazing. But all it is is, is for fans to get a barometer of what their team's not doing and what they should be doing. It's as simple as that. And if I'm in the Eastern Conference and I'm a Bulls fan, I'm looking at the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, and 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 a couple other teams in front of me who are all drastically changing not only the 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 roster but also the ideology. Like, if Mike D'Antoni is the Philadelphia 76ers head coach going forward, there's four years, $201 million out on the on the line for James Harden somewhere. You can't put Clint Capella and, and force, you know, Joel Embiid to be Clint Capella running and throwing the ball and lobbing at the rim. So th- there's changes going on in, in a conference, and everybody's been asking for a parity. And if you've got a franchise like the Bulls where you can say, hey, the eventual Eastern Conference representative we lost to in the playing game, well, show me how you're going to get tougher. Show me how you're going to get smarter. You know, Show me who's willing to take their cool off in the toughest moments against a team that went to the NBA Finals. Like Those are the guys you need. All these other picks and fancy pieces and all that. You know, show me some shit that works. Not, not 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 the things that are cute for for all star births or for you know for you know for for national fodder on a, on a, on a Tuesday night. No nah, man, like there's a reason why Jimmy Butler is a Hall of Famer and will deserve and get respect for the rest of his run because he's walked it like he's talked it. And even if he's pissed people off and alienated people and made people feel bad, if you look back, he hasn't been wrong on a lot of the things he's said and done, and even some of the things here in Chicago that I disagreed with. You know, the way that thing devolved between he and Tom Thibodeau in the front office and Derrick Rose at the end, 
Jimmy Butler has put himself right there, square in the conversation of best players in the league every year in the most important time. We never talk about it during MVP conversations. We talk about it the last four years during the NBA Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, down the stretch and playoff runs. Like, he's putting together, like, who's had the better three, four years? Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler. You know, and, and, and it's as simple as that. Those are the conversations you want to be having about your best player. Not, not how many all-star bursts they had, not how many all Jimmy don't give a shit about all-star bursts or all-NBA teams. At this point, he got his bread. He's living in the city that he wants to live in. He's playing in an organization that he wants to play for. And, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a dude who's a drill sergeant and Eric Spolstra and another dude who's a drill sergeant and Pat Riley might as well go win something. And I'm going to pick Denver. Because they don't have the better team, but I'll be damned if Jimmy Butler don't. We ain't gonna give them a go for their money. Like it's gonna be a six game series, and Jimmy probably gonna run out of gas in game five or six, like he usually does, because he's doing too damn much. But I'd rather have that than to have the consternation about All Star bursts and 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 guys becoming All NBA defenders at some point, and you know all the other stuff that we talk about, because that that's what the other cities should be talking about. That's what the cities who don't have championship banners hanging up in their rafters should be talking about. Not cities like Miami, not cities like Los Angeles, not cities like New York, and definitely not cities like Chicago. Do you think Jimmy Butler uh, was a Hall of Famer before this year? Because I think right now, if he wins this year, I mean, that's like legendary. I think if he, yeah, I mean, he pulls this off. He needed another run like he had in the bubble, right? And like he had right. a couple years ago. And he's having it, right? Like... You know, it's it's like that Kurt Schilling kind of thing where you look at the regular season numbers, you go, all right. But then you look at the postseason performances, you go, hey, man. Exactly. Like, if, if this is the time that we celebrate people and this is the time that he answers the bell, then at, at what point are we going to talk about him in that in that frame? He's He's had everything that you need for a Hall of Fame career. He's had the all-star berths. He's had the all NBA teams that he's been named to. Um, you know, he doesn't obviously have the the uh the MVP, you know, voting that that, that you would like to go in that category. But I mean, you know, all you got if you're not gonna win the championship, you, you go to six or seven all-star games, you get yourself on four or five all all NBA teams. I, I don't know who's really gonna argue with you. And it's the basketball hall of fame, right? Like we don't treat the basketball hall of yeah. fame, like we do baseball, yeah. you know, we don't treat it like we do football. We treat the basketball hall of fame. Like we treat the basketball hall of fame. Like the Jimmy for his career now, uh, is averaging here. As we take a look at it in real time, 18 points a game, five rebounds and four assists a game. Okay. So if you look at those kind of numbers in the in basketball reference.com, um, you know, six seasons with the Bulls, four seasons with Miami, the two seasons with Minnesota, that one year with Philadelphia where they chose to buy his Harris instead of him, and he yelled it out as loudly as he possibly could. Uh, similarity scores through 11 years. Some very interesting names here. Okay. Buck Williams, LaMarcus Aldridge, Chris Bosh, Bobby Jones, Kevin McHale, Elvin Hayes, Chet Walker, Larry Nance, Jerry Lucas, Horace Grant. So I'd say if you're looking at some of these names like Jerry Lucas, Chet Walker, Elvin Hayes, Kevin McHale, Bobby Jones, Chris Bosh. I mean, these are Hall of Fame players. These are Hall of Fame players. Right. Right. But but people acting like they forgot. As soon as he started cooking up, people were just like, oh, this Jimmy Butler guy. And the same thing happened with Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. I mean. The, the the whole bubble Murray thing and him, you know, he tore his ACL, man. Like he had to get back after a year and a half. And he, he, he found a matchup where he was going to absolutely physically impose his will on smaller guards like Russell and like Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder. And, and when, when you got to put Jared Vanderbilt on him, now all of a sudden you got a small on Aaron Gordon or you got a small that might have to rotate over on Nikola Jokic. Like the, the problems that they present. And oh, by the way, they got a six foot 10 dude who isn't scared to take any shot on the court at any point in time in Michael Porter Jr. So the, the, the problems that they present, the moment that you have to make an adjustment, they've got a player at that position who can exploit that adjustment if that player is executing to the level that Mike Malone usually has them executing. It's, it's, it, I understand why Arturis Karnaschovas was an attractive uh, hire 
because of coming from that system and coming from that developmental phase of you look at everything that Denver is doing. I mean, hell, there are players on that Denver team that aren't there anymore that you can still look at and go, okay, they, they went and got Bones Highland out of nowhere and made him an NBA player, even though nobody on the Clippers likes him apparently right now. Monte Morris, one of my favorite players in the NBA for a long time, be- one of the better backup point guards in the league. The, the, we're seeing in these playoffs, you need a backup point guard. Like everything that they did in Denver, it was supposed to be the blueprint of what was happening here in Chicago. And then all of a sudden, the Zach Levine contract came up and you had to start talking about, you know, I, well, I think, and this is just my conjecture, you had to make it this an attractive place for Zach Levine to want to continue to play basketball. I know he wasn't turning down $200 million, whatever the case may be, but you want to make sure that there, that there aren't waves in the first two years of that deal. How do you do that? You pair him with another all-star. You get Nikola Vucevic in the fold, and then it makes it look that much more attractive that offseason when you go out and get Lonzo Ball and when you go out and get DeMar DeRozan. But the departure from what what Bulls fans were told at the outset of this thing was, hey, man, look at Denver. This is one of the dudes who helped put the Denver Nuggets together. Nikola Jokic, 41st pick. Aaron Gordon, 4th pick by the Orlando Magic, cast aside. Michael Porter Jr., 10th pick, back issues, took a flyer on him. Everybody knew what he was coming out of high school, hurt himself in Mizzou, and, and everybody was worried. Only sent his medicals to teams that he thought he should play for. Denver fell in that. They lucked out. One of the better young forwards in the game went healthy, especially scoring the rock. Jamal Murray out of Kentucky drafts him, lottery pick, star-like player, right? And then you finally find out in the bubble how really, really it was with him and Donovan Mitchell going back and forth. Like, these are all instances of drafting and developing leading to championship success. Then you can mess around and go out and acquire a veteran like Kentavious Caldwell Pope, who's one of those dudes who you're happy you had when you're talking about winning the championship. And you're like, oh, remember the, remember the KCP glue that held this team together? Like, those are the things. But you got to draft well. You have to draft well. And that's what Bulls fans thought they were getting. And that's the kind of blueprint that Bulls fans thought that they were going to see executed by Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley. Now it's been the acquire via trade and via free agency route over this last couple of years. But this, this thing that we're watching in Denver, this is what had Bulls fans salivating as soon as you heard Arturis Karnaschovas' name because of what they're doing out there. So, yeah, man, Denver versus Miami is going to happen. I'm going to watch it because I'm a basketball fan. I think it's going to be an exciting series. I do because you, you've got a, a, a try-hard, bust-your-ass execution is, is to the utmost team in the Miami Heat who, I mean, you talk about coaching matchups. Eric Spolcher versus Michael Malone, yeah, that might be as good as you're going to get in either, you know, in, in any league. In terms of, you know, you throw two of the top five or six guys together and say, hey, here's the matchup game to game. What's going to happen here? Who are you going to put on Aaron Gordon? Who's Bam Adebayo going to stick? Who's going to stick Jimmy Butler at the outset? Who's Jimmy Butler going to have to ice down the stretch, whether it be Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr., right? What's going to happen with Nikola Jokic? How are you going to defend him? Are you going to double team him? We don't see the Heat do that often. Like, those are the things that we're going to see in this Denver-Miami matchup. Problem is... Um, is going to be very few of us watching because casual fans have not met Nikola Jokic yet and, and Jimmy Butler isn't the sexiest of picks when it comes to the aesthetically pleasing game that we all come to know and love called NBA basketball via the casual fans. So I'm looking forward to it. As a Bulls fan, I'm hoping every every star is disgruntled watching it so they can have this be their final destination. I'm hearing all these rumblings and rumors about movement and trading for this person and that person. I saw Jordan Poole. Shout out to everything Bulls. Uh, one of my favorite follows on Instagram. I saw Jordan Poole in a Bulls jersey. And that's when I was like, you know what? It's time for me to go ahead and turn the phone off. Uh, time for me to go ahead and stop thinking of these, you know, having these, these, these delusional you know, visions of grandeur. Um, you know, maybe one day Nikola Jokic and his brothers will find that there is a great population for foreign cuisine and dining here in the city of Chicago. If he ever wants to make that, that's the other thing too, right? Like, 
Whenever you get trans, uh, transcendent players like Nikola Jokic or Tim Duncan, they always get dropped in a spot where it's like, oh, no, I just, I'm going I'm to hang out here for the next 17, 18 years. You know, I'm just going to live in San Antonio forever, or I'm just going to stay here in Denver and shut it all down, be the greatest player in franchise history, which he already is, by the way. Like, shout out to Melo, you know, shout out to Dan Issel and you know, whoever else. <laughs> I mean, whoever else, you know, Alex English, whoever else you want to throw out there, shout out to Doug Moe, Dikembe Mutombo and the boys back in the day, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, but uh, the Denver Nuggets have the greatest player in franchise history there, and, you know, uh, our luck as Chicago Chicago fan base and Chicagoans who are always hoping that there will be some NBA free agent prize that drops on your doorstep. Uh, Keep building that nest, Billy Donovan and our tourist car shows, and maybe one day You'll, uh, you'll reap those uh, free agent uh, fruits that you sow. But, man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough watching Jimmy Butler participate in another NBA Finals uh, for the same organization in the Miami Heat. Because the bubble, you can say what you want. you know. Because I know a lot of people like to do the whole, oh, bubble wasn't real. It didn't matter. No, it was real for them. <laughs> it was real for Jimmy and, and the Miami Heat. And he's going to do this without Tyler Hero. Like, he's going to do this without arguably the second best player in the organization. He's going to go at this thing with, with Bam Adebayo and a bunch of dudes who who who, who he helped, uh, you know, who, who I should say who helped him beat the Minnesota Timberwolves' first squad. Like, these are the dudes that, that Jimmy Butler was beating Carl Anthony Towns and, and the likes of when he went on that rampage in that Minnesota practice and then called Rachel Nichols. Guys like Gabe Vincent. Guys like Caleb Martin, like guys like that, guys like Duncan Robinson, like those are the dudes that he is taking to the NBA Finals. So when everybody's done getting all their money, getting all their all-star burps, getting all their all-NBA nods all around the league, shout out to the dudes who know how to take off their cool in the biggest moments and go for the biggest prize in the NBA. And I'm going to love watching every second of it. It's the full go, baby! All right, that's all the time we have for episode 245 of the Full Go Podcast. want to thank our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, our main man, Tony Gill, and the fly guy, the smooth criminal, the chief vibes officer of the pod, the CVO, the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Sutton himself. want to thank y'all for hanging out with us, as always. Thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to this thing. Thank you for following us, uh, for sharing it with your family and friends. Uh, for rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars that you know it needs. If not, we're going to see you in the streets. We will catch you on Tuesday. All right. We're going to have some more NBA playoffs talks. Maybe it'll be the last time that we're talking about LeBron James led Los Angeles Lakers, as it looks like the Denver Nuggets might be in line to sweep this thing on out. Uh, a game that we'll watch at crypto.com arena. Maybe we'll have somebody on. And also, I want to talk to you guys about your stories of prom gone right or wrong. Okay, because I had that I'm old moment. I saw Bronny James, uh, a prom picture that, that LeBron James threw out there. and It made me think of my prom. I'll tell you guys a story about prom and what happened on my last day of school. It's kind of tied into prom. So prom stories, prom horror stories, prom. And by the way, that's horror. H-O-R-R-O-R. Okay. I don't, don't need to know what you what you did in the back of a Dave and Buster's on your prom night. Okay. So 773-359-3103 is the phone number. Prom horror stories. Okay. 773-359-3103. Drop us a line. As always, the full go voicemail line is open for you. All right, we will talk to y'all on Tuesday. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on episode 245. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe and remember to stay sucker free. 